to the Word of God and to His presence. We want to thank you all for joining us this morning here at MPI Church. I'm Pastor Berto, one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, we appreciate and love you all so much. Thank you for joining us. Uh, at this time, we want to uh, introduce our sister Carmen. She's one of the deacons here. We like to start our service with a testimony. So let's give her a hand as she comes up. Good morning, Metro Praise. So as uh, Pastor Berto said, my name is Carmen, and I am a deacon here at Metro Praise. And um, I just want to talk about the goodness of God. You know, um, it's so, I mean, I know I've been in, in situations in my life where I've prayed to God and he's answered. And I know plenty of you can testify about the goodness of God. You know, we've prayed for sick relatives and God has come through and he's healed. We've prayed for jobs, for promotions, for financial blessings. And God has come through and, and we, we glorify God. We say, man, God is good. He's a good father. He's so good to me. He's provided. He's done X, Y, and Z. But what about when God says no? What about when you're praying for something so earnestly and then the answer is no? Is God still a good God? Do you still glorify his name? Do you still testify to his goodness? You know, this, this past couple weeks, God has been talking to me about his goodness and he's been showing me that sometimes he has to say no for our benefit. Sometimes he tells us no because the best thing for us. In Matthew, Jesus is in the garden, he's praying, and he said, Lord, if it's your will that this cup, this cup should pass from me. And God told him no. And I don't know about you, but I praise God every day for that no because it bridged the gap between me and God. Because he told his son no, I have salvation. I have eternity in heaven with my Lord and Savior. So if you're experiencing something today and God has recently told you no and you're going through a rough time, just remember that God loves you and he is a good God. And if he is telling you no, then that means he has, have, he has something greater planned for your life. I want to share Proverbs um, 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, because you are a good, good God. You are a good Father, and you desire good things for your people. And I thank you, Lord, because even in the midst of saying no, Lord God, you have our best interest, Lord. And I pray today, Lord God, that you would open our eyes, Lord God, and allow us to see you in the circumstances we are experiencing, Lord God, and even in the no's. And Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that even when we cannot see your hands at work, Lord God, that we would trust your heart, a heart that loves us and want, wants good things for us, Lord. I praise you and I thank you, Lord. Have your way today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This first song is called joy, Your Joy. It's a new song. I want you to look to your neighbor to your right and left and say, I've got the joy. You got it? Oh, 
situation, no trial, no tribulation can take your joy from my heart. Church, we proclaim the joy of the Lord.
is risen, he is alive, he won the victory, he reigns on high. Church, you sing.
Church, to sing that out. Let's let the chorus lift our voice. And death could not hold you. Let's lift our voice. You are the risen King. And you are the Shout of victory to our God. You reign in this place, O oh Lord. You reign in this place, O oh Lord. Darkness has no place. There is freedom in Jesus. There is freedom in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Change lives. Hallelujah. Come does anyone have a word from the Lord? This morning, come on, is the Spirit desiring you to share a word this morning? Come and do so at this time.
Just take a moment to understand that word from our sister. Where are the Davids? Where are the leaders? Where are the people that would go before the giant, the most improbable thing, the scariest thing, the thing that maybe our society is telling us to shh, don't make it a big deal. Where are the Davids that will stand against perversion? Where are the Davids that will stand for righteousness? The thing you have to understand about David, when he went up against Goliath, he was so young. He probably was short. Everyone looked at him and thought, man, this kid is, is crazy. And for the fact that he didn't go in battle with armor, King Saul tried to give him his armor and say, listen, you're going to need this, that guy. I mean, he's about nine feet tall, right? Something like that. You're probably like five, five foot seven, a buck ten. Just giving you an idea. It was impossible for David to go up against Goliath, but he did because, no, no, no. How much longer will this Philistine, right? How much longer will this Philistine mock our God while you guys stand at bay? He knew deep down inside God was with him. And church, I tell you this morning, deep down inside, God is with you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. There is power. There's a prophetic word inside your heart that the Lord is wanting to release from you. Which one of you this morning will say, God, use me. I'm that David. Here I am. I'll go. Come on, with all eyes closed in this place. The sweet presence of the Lord right now. It can't just be me convincing you by shouting, getting loud, or the music. I want you to hear from the Lord right now. Just take a moment to listen. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would press upon our hearts. Press upon our minds right now in this moment. Your will. God, your word went forth. God, you seek Davids. You seek young men and women, God, that would raise up. Press upon our hearts, God, all across this room. of the Lord, there's no greater place. There's no greater place. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. I'd rather be no place I'd rather be 
I'd rather be There's no place I'd rather be There's no place I'd rather be Than here in your love Here in your love No place, no place I'd rather be Set a fine town in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. So I want more of you, God. Set a fine town in my soul. you showed him your glory 
Father, we want to be that person that knows you more, that we would see you passing, that we would experience you in such a way we would not satisfy. Father, I pray that we would not be satisfied with religion. We wouldn't be satisfied with just coming to church and just being known as a Christian. But God, we would truly and genuinely know you, the living God. That we could genuinely say from our heart, there's no place we would rather be than here with you and within your presence by your side. Holy Spirit, I pray in this room, if, if there's any distraction, anything that's trying to take your place in our hearts, that you would cast it down. Every idol that we've set up, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus would come crumbling down. You are the living God. You are the living God and you desire to know us. So I pray it will be our heart's desire to always say, there's no place I'd rather be than here with you. Come on, if you believe that this morning, why don't you give God some praise? Because he's about to reveal himself to us in a way that he's never done so before. Have your way, Holy Spirit, this, this church service in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, won't you find a seat? God is so good. God is amazing and he's awesome in power. And this morning, what we want to do is we want to take this time to take communion together. This is something we do every first Sunday of the month that we want to celebrate, we want to remember, we want to commune with God as we remember the death, the burial, and resurrection that Jesus Christ took upon himself when he came into this world. And who did he do it for? He did it for us. This is the living God we're talking about who left heaven to come to earth, to take upon a punishment that he did not deserve, but who deserved it? we did because of sin and so this morning we're going to remember as the ushers begin to pass out the elements of communion I'm going to read this scripture and we're going to come at God with an attitude of thanksgiving an attitude of worship because he displayed his love for us while we were still sinners he displayed his mercy and his grace for us while we had rejected him amen we serve a good God that does not need us, but yet chooses and desires to come close to us each and every day. And as we're saying, there's no place we'd rather be than in your presence. God is saying, there's no place I'd rather be than with you. He proved that on that cross. So as we worship and we seek after him, God is seeking after us and he's stretching out his hands to be with us. He is not a statue. He is not an idol made by human hands. He is God Almighty, all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing. That is the God that we serve. That is the God who gave his life for us. And this morning, we just want to thank him. We want to worship him and honor him as the king that he is. Amen? Here it says in Luke twenty-two nineteen, and he took bread. He gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen? Jesus Christ gave his body. The bread representing his body on that cross was given for you and I. And that punishment that he took, he did not deserve. You and I deserved because of sin. Do you agree you have sinned against the living God? 
you've broken his commands, you haven't met the standard that he has, but Jesus said, I will take the punishment that they deserve. And he gave his body willingly for you and I. And it says, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Amen. The blood representing the new covenant meaning the law of Moses was no longer. But he fulfilled the law of Moses. He fulfilled all those commandments, and he established the new covenant that when you and I put our faith and our trust in him, we are in agreement and in good standing with God. Amen? Isn't that a beautiful thing? While you and I were far, Jesus bridged that gap, and you and I no longer have to work for our salvation, but we put our faith and our trust and know that he's already done that for us. Amen? I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning. If anyone in this room does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today is the day. Today, I beg you and I, and I beckon you to come to the cross of Jesus Christ, that your soul may be saved. That you no longer would have to carry around those burdens of sin and consequence and the power and the presence of sin in your life, but allow Jesus Christ to set you free. The blood of Jesus is all-powerful, and he can break through all chains and all addictions. So I beckon you to come and receive the new life that he has for you. Be born again. I want to pray for those who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, we ask you that you would break the chains off of anyone's life in this room who does not know you. I pray for a new life. I pray that they would believe and trust in you, and they would be born again disciples who would live the rest of your life giving you glory. Right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict hearts, hearts that are backsliding, hearts, dear God, that are on the verge of turning away from you. And I pray, dear God, that they would hold on, that they would not grow weary in doing good, dear God, because they know in the right time you're going to reap the harvest. I pray for a strengthening in the hearts of believers, and I pray for transformation today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. If that's you, we want you to come. We want to pray for you during our time of fellowship. But now let's take communion. Please take out the bread. We're going to take this together. Father, we thank you for, for this bread representing the body of Jesus Christ that was broken and bruised for us. We thank you that Jesus did not shrink back. We thank you that he was willingly going to the cross to please you. So this morning we give you honor. We give you glory for what you've done. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. In Jesus' name, go ahead and take the bread. Hallelujah. And Lord, we take this juice representing your blood that washes away our sin. We thank you that we are no longer stained by sin, but we are as white as snow. We thank you that you don't see our sin, a sinful nature, but you see the righteousness of Christ in us. We thank you that we have been made new. So have your way in our lives. Let's take the juice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's sing this song one more time. Let's sing this song as a 
of worship unto the King this morning. Understanding that there's no place we would rather be than with Him for all of eternity. Thank、you 
give it up for Jesus. Give it up for yourselves for coming to church this morning. Come on, that's a little lame. Clap it up for Jesus. You guys, I know you're excited to be here. Don't be shy. We want to welcome all of our visitors. If this is your first time, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us this morning at Metro Praise International. What an awesome Easter service. Praise God, right? Thank you for all that came and invited their friends and family. We are still rejoicing over what God did last week and continuing to be excited of what God has for us just this month alone for the new sermon series. So thank you for coming back and joining us here at Metro Praise. We have uh, Sunday services every week at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. So we have King's Kids in the back for infant to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. God is doing awesome things in our Elevate Youth Service. It's for students 11 to 18. Keep coming out. Invite your friends. God's doing awesome things there. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Somebody say vision a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And that's what we teach. That's what we want to live by, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. How many of you guys think that's a good way of living your life? That's a pretty good vision, right? Come on. And then we have a strategy. We want to connect you. We want to mentor you, and we want to send you out. The way we want to connect you to the church, to Jesus, is through our life groups. We are very passionate about our life groups. We have awesome leaders who are investing their life, opening up their homes to lead these life groups. And we want you guys to connect. Say connect. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. That's where we um, take you through the journey of discipleship and really help you grow in your walk with God and be a leader in the church. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism because we believe that everybody should be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the lost. So we want to let you guys know right now uh, how to connect. And before I get the schedule of our life groups for this week, I want you to see the video that we have for this new spring quarter. Give it up before they play it for our new spring quarter of life groups. Come on. Enjoy the video. What's up, MPI? We want to welcome you guys to our new quarter of spring life groups. We want you to invite all your friends and family and get excited about what God has for this season. We cannot wait to see you at these awesome life groups. They are going to change your life. Come bring your friends and your family. Hey, we're the Goveas, and we want to invite you to our home Bible study where we study God's Word in His presence. We meet every Friday at 7 p.m. where we have a time of worship, word, and fellowship. Bring your children. We have child care provided. And check us out on our Facebook page. Hi, Metro Praise. We are pastors Tony and Jerry Vivid. Please join us Friday nights at 7 p.m. for Bible study at our house. See you there. What's up, guys? My name is Lawrence. I'm one of the leaders at the Resistance Life Group. We meet up every first and third Tuesday at 6 p.m. right here at the church. We have an awesome time of fellowship, getting into God's Word, worshiping, and just an awesome time experiencing God. So come out. Feel free to check us out. Hi, we're Stephen and Carmen Ramos, and we host Righteously Redeemed every first and third Wednesday at our home for ages 11 to 18. Meet us at 530 at our home where we will feed your body and then feed your soul with the Word of God. See you there, and God bless you. Hey guys, Rudy Santana here with the Ambassadors Youth Life Group. If you're between the ages of 11 to 18, we invite you out. We meet first and third Saturdays of every month at 1 p.m. We hope to see you there. Food, fun, fellowship. Jesus is awesome. What's up, everybody? This is Ishmael at Robin, and we want to invite you to Singles Life Group if you're 18 to 35 years old. 
We meet first Sunday of the month. We meet here at the church at 4 o'clock. See you there, baby. Hi, everyone. This is Pastor Susie, and I'd like to invite all the children ages newborn up to 10 years old to join us on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. for our Royal Rangers Club for Boys and Impact Girls Club. Hi, my name is Cynthia Rodan, and I'm the leader for a single moms group. We meet twice a month on Sundays. We fellowship, we get into the word, we worship. Come check us out on Facebook, and child care is always provided. Hello everyone, it's Ricky and Rachel, and we lead the Marriage Life Group, and we want you to come out this next quarter to come and hang out with us. We're gonna be talking about intimacy in the marriage. We meet every third Sunday of the month at five o'clock here at the church. Child care is provided, so come check us out. Hey, I'm Steve Ramos, and I lead up the gang ministry on Thursday. If you have a heart to reach gang members, come meet us at my house at 7 p.m., and let's reach the streets for Jesus. God bless you. Hey, folks, it's uh, Pastor Jared here. I want to invite you out for evangelism every Saturday at 5 p.m. We meet at the church. We're going all throughout the city preaching the gospel. Come join us. Give it up for our life group leaders. That's what's up. So I want you to turn your hand out around, look at the schedule of spring quarter life groups, find a place to connect. There's so many different types of life groups for you and your family. So let this be a new season for you to put God first in a, in a new way and to really be faithful and commit to a life group and God will really change your life through those. So I want you guys to look at the screen. Here's a snapshot of what we have going on this week. How many of you guys know that church and living for Jesus cannot be boring? There is no possible way. There is so much to do for God. God fills our life with joy. So look at all that we have going on just this week. Today we have the Singles Life Group. Come on. A group of young people, 18 to 35 years old, who are passionate about living for God and wanting to build close relationships with each other. So they want to know Jesus. They want you to know Jesus. So if you're single, you want to be at this life group today to really build lasting relationships as you guys live for Jesus on fire, sold out for him. So be here at the church today at 4 p.m. Then we have our single moms also meeting today. But they have childcare provided all the time. They're going to be meeting at 5.30. There's the address right there. So if you're a single mom, we welcome you with open arms to join them. Tuesday, we have the Resistance Life Group, 18, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. here at the church on Tuesday. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. Then every week on Wednesdays, we have our King's Kids, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. Awesome time for our children to get into the Word and learn about Jesus. Thursday every week, we have our gang outreach ministry, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. How many of you guys know the gangs in Chicago need Jesus? We need revival on our streets. God is doing powerful things there. And then every week on Friday, we have two adult Bible studies. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Vivid's house. Both 7 p.m., 18 years and up. If you're an adult, you have got to be at those Bible studies. Food, fun, and fellowship. Amen? Come on. So then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. We have our 101 book that's done one-on-one -on -one between you and a leader that you choose. And that book that we use is Welcome to Your New Life. It's seven basic steps of spiritual growth where a leader is able to help develop you and help you really put God first and go after God in every area of your life. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where you'll be trained to be a leader in the church, continue on your discipleship journey, and be all that God has called for you to be. We have a Sunday morning class and a Thursday evening class. 
God is doing awesome things in the lives of their people. So we just believe that every believer could be a leader. If you want it, go after all that God has for you. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we hit the streets preaching the gospel to complete strangers. The Bible says that he who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. And he who wins souls is... Come on. I think more people need to say that. He who wins souls is wise. So if you want to be wise and you want to grow in all that God has for you, go and tell somebody about Jesus. This is our training ground. If you want to be trained up to be a soul winner, to really learn how to preach the gospel to somebody that you don't know, somebody that may not want to hear it, you got to join them on Saturdays. God's doing amend- uh, tremendous, amazing things uh, through the lives of the people and on the streets in our city. And our city needs Jesus. It's our responsibility to go and tell them. So in recap, MPI has a vision, strategy, a goal, a vision of loving God and loving people, a strategy of connect, mentor, and send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If that makes you excited, say amen. I know that makes me excited. God has been so faithful throughout the years. You're not here by accident. God has an awesome plan for your life. Who's ready to give their tithes and offerings to the Lord? We at MPI believe that a tithe is 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. And we also have offerings that we believe in that's above the tithe, an amount after the tithe that is between you and the Lord. And we designate that towards missions and towards building. We support various mission projects throughout the year. We're in a building fund currently to raise the monies for the new band equipment, which I'll be giving an update very soon. But I'm going to go to the giving book right now on section one. You could go to givingbook.org. We're on section one, all about tithes. Today is lesson 14. The tithe is a partnership with God. How many of you guys want to be a partner with God, be on his team? Come on. Again, the definition of tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. We're going to be reading in Genesis 28, 20 through 22. You could turn in your Bibles or you could look up here. Genesis 28, 20 through 22. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Here are the two main points. Number one, Jacob made a commitment to God. Just like how Jacob made a vow, a promise to serve God, We should commit our lives to always follow Jesus. So we follow him in every area of our life. We put him first and we say, Jesus, I trust you. I will follow you. And number two, Jacob partnered with God through tithing. In the same way, Jacob was willing to give one-tenth of everything he had in life because he recognized it was from God. We should also be willing to tithe and partner with God. And this goes back to what we've been learning all these weeks in section one about how the tithe was implied with Cain and Abel carried on through Abraham, you know, established in the law of Moses. That's the confession that we're saying. And here we see Jacob saying, I'm going to give you a tenth. I'm going to follow you as you provide for me, as you take care of me. I'm going to put you first and I'm going to trust you and I'm not going to hold back my tithe from you. Here's a summary. Make a commitment to serve God all the days of your life and partner with him by giving back 10% of everything he gives you. How many tithers do I have in the house today? 
come on. Let's apply this to our life. Number one, realize that everything you have and will ever have is because of God. He deserves 100% of everything that we have. But materially, financially, what he wants us to do to support his work on the earth is 10%. Number two, therefore, honor your partnership with God by tithing and not being greedy, stingy, or prideful. Because naked you came into this world and naked you will leave. Only what you do for God will last. How many of you guys see a U-Haul truck attached to a hearse going to the cemetery? Nothing on this earth, any of our possessions will go with us. Live your life on this earth, building the kingdom of God and storing your inheritance in heaven. And number three, partnership. When God blesses you, bless him in return. Let me get a what, what? Let's confess this on the count of three together. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. If you are a partner of God this morning, please stand up to your feet with me as we prepare to extend our act of worship to our king through giving our tithes and offerings. This is not something we take lightly. This is something very serious, something very sacred, because we're faithfully giving to the Lord our hard earned money. We're saying, God, we trust you. Build your kingdom on this earth. And again, a tithe is 10% of your income given regularly to the church. We designate our offering towards missions and building. And if you could put the exact amount on the, on the envelope so we could designate the money towards the proper, um, proper location, that would be great. Here are four ways that you could give at MPI in the bucket during the offering time. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You could see Pastor Griselda if you would like to do that. And number four, you could go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Forward uh, slash, is that what I said? Yeah, forward slash giving. Okay, come on, give it up for, the, for yourselves. We raised in March $3,577. March was our biggest, our biggest, biggest month for the, the building fund for this new band equipment. You guys blew it out of the water. What a faithful giving church. When we all come together and do our part and what God has told us to do, this is amazing. So in total, right now, we have 7,699. Our goal is to get to the 10,000. We only have $3,421 left. That means if we can all do exactly what we did in March, this will be over. We will be done, and it will only be April. We started in January. So God is awesome. You guys are generous, and it is just so amazing what God does through his people. So we're very thankful, and we, we love that you guys have jumped on this for your support. So let's read this verse together. Philippians 4:18. Let's recite it. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundance, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that you give us the opportunity, the the ability, God, to be partners with you. We partner with you today, God, through giving our tithe, through giving our offering. And we say, God, use it for your glory. Give us wisdom, God, as we use it to win Chicago and to spread the gospel throughout all the nations. Lord, I pray that you bless your people today. I pray that you be with them on their job. Give them promotions and raises and 
and favor, God, in all that they do for you, Lord Jesus, and provide for them as they partner with you and they're faithful in the tithe, faithful in the offering, that you would do amazing things. You would open up the store, uh, the, the gates of heaven and pour a blessing upon them that they will not even have room to receive it, Lord. So we thank you for your faith in us. We thank you for your abundance in our lives, and we give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Please come forward as you give this morning, and thank you for your generosity. many real Christians do I got up in this place? Make some noise. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I ain't no creaster. Say, I don't just come on Christmas and Easter. You better say it like you mean to say, I don't just come on Christmas and Easter. Say, I be up in this house all the time. Amen. Ain't nothing like a pastor coming to see the church full after Easter. I love it so much. I'm so glad that we packed out Easter. Let me just tell you, my wife and I thought we were going to have right around 300 people in both services last week. We said, hey, you know, we, we've uh, had Christmas service. Christmas was around 280, so we thought maybe there might be around 300 people. The first service alone had over 280 people. You guys did awesome. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. You guys did amazing. You guys did amazing. The second service had close to 100, so we had as a total, are you ready for this, over 370 people. Can we give it up for Jesus? Amen. I'm excited about that. I don't know about you, but I think that's amazing. And so if you joined us for Easter and now you're back with us, we're so happy that you're here. We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep doing great things for God. And one of the things that we wanted to do was to transition our series from Abundant Life in the Easter season to the new series here, Spiritual Growth. So we're going to be getting ready to grow and learn about God and do all that he's called us to do. So if you got your Bible, open it with me right now to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, and today's message is born again to grow. Everybody say born again to grow. Amen. We just want you to join with us in 2 Peter right now. 2 Peter chapter 1. How many ever heard of Peter before? 
You know who he is? He's an apostle. He's a pretty smart guy. He loved Jesus. He made some mistakes, but you know what? God restored him and showed him that he had a great plan for his life. It's a little bit lengthy of a passage for us during this time, but I'll tell you what. It's going to be a great series. It may go through to the spring, uh, all the way through the spring to the summer. And uh, brother, I'm getting a little bit buzzed here, so if you could turn down all the instruments, mute them. Thank you. If you're in 2 Peter chapter 1, somebody say, I'm there. Okay, now hang on. It's going to be a little bit long of a passage, but you're going to get used to it every week here, okay? Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now look at the next set of verses here. His divine power. Everybody say power. Thank you. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Everybody go divine nature. See, you might have been born naughty by nature, but you've been born again in divine nature. I'm going to say that again. Some of y'all didn't get that. You were born naughty by nature, but you've been born again in divine nature. I don't know if some of y'all believe that. I really don't. I really don't. I, sometimes I say to myself when I come to this church on Sunday morning and I know I got to read these passages, I start thinking to myself, do y'all really believe this? Because I know for me this is scandalous. This is almost like too good to be true. That literally on this earth, I get to share in the, in the divine nature of God. That is amazing. I hope you believe that Paul, uh, Peter, has no reason to lie to us. We get to dance with the divine. We were born naughty by nature, but born again by the divine nature. And it says, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. How many want to escape the evil desires of this world? Can I get an amen? Come on. Now, for this reason, this is where it gets heavy. This is where we need to really understand this month what's going on for this sermon series here, however long it takes. For this very reason, for what reason? The reason that I share in the divine nature, because I've been born again. I've been made a new creation. Because of that reason that I don't want to be caught up in evil desires, I need to now make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance and perseverance godliness, and godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection love. And so if you go through those, those are the things we have to do to have spiritual growth. You see, we are all about spiritual growth in this sermon series. And if you want to learn about spiritual growth, you go to the Bible and say, God, what do I got to do to grow up? What do I got to do to grow up spiritually to be all that you want me to be? Well, what's happening here is Peter is telling us the things you have to do to grow up. He says, you got to add to your faith goodness. Everybody say goodness. Everybody then say knowledge. Somebody say self-control. Somebody say perseverance. Godliness. Mutual affection, which is like brotherly love. And then everybody say love. Now look at verse 8. Thank you. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, see, they have to keep increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. So there are some people here that you have knowledge, but you're not effective. You have knowledge of Jesus, but you're not productive in your Christian walk. And so you need to add these things to your life so that you can be productive and effective. Now look at verse 9. 
But whoever does not have them, whoever does not have the things we just read, self-control, perseverance, mutual affection, you know, knowledge, whoever doesn't have godliness, look at what it says to them. They are nearsighted and blind. Everybody look up here. They are blind. They're not smart. The person living in sin is not free. They're bound. They can't see stuff that you don't see. No, they really don't see what you see. Because if they saw hell, if they saw the promises of God, if they could see the goodness of God like you do today, they wouldn't live that way. The reason why they do that is because they're nearsighted and blind, look at it, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So look at the passage here. If you're not growing, you're dying. And if you're not being increasing in these areas, you're going to be unproductive and ineffective. So those of you here who started off with faith in your Christian walk and you said, man, I loved Jesus at some point in my life. I was loving the Lord. I believed in him. And then you stopped and then things got hard and then sin started to seem fun or breaking God's commandments wasn't a big deal. You said, oh, man, I'm missing church. I'm okay. I, I don't give any more in the offering and I've still got a lot of money. I'm blessed and I got friends at my job. I'm not really lonely, and you started to wonder what happened. What happened was you became blind. You became dumb in your senses. You became possessed by a different spirit, and faith died on the inside of you. Now, you may be saying, well, what do I do about it? Well, you better ask God for faith. You have to ask for faith. And you see in these verses right up here, it says that we receive faith from Jesus Christ. So how do you get back faith? You receive it by hearing the word of God. To those who through the righteousness of God, our Savior Jesus Christ, have received faith. So if you need faith today, somebody say, bring me the word. Come on. And then you add these things to your life. So anybody that you've ever known who has backslid as a Christian, changed the spirit inside of them or stopped living by the Holy Spirit and be, became under the spirit of this world, influenced by the devil, it wasn't God's fault. It was because they stopped growing and they allowed the things of this world, the corruption of this world, to take over the nature that God had put in them. So how many of you here want to live for Jesus? Does anybody here want to backslide? Does anybody here want to turn their back on God and go towards evil desires? Now, the question then is how many of you are willing to grow in your faith? Okay, so in your faith. Faith is not just something like a wish. No, faith is a belief that God's word is true. So if you really have faith and you want to grow in it, add to your faith goodness and knowledge. Do you see the pattern here? Come on. Now keep going. We're not even done yet. You see, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, everybody say, therefore. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, the things he just listed right here, if you do these things, have faith, you have goodness, you have knowledge, you have self-control, you have perseverance here, you have godliness, which is God-likeness, you have mutual affection, you have love. Everybody say, these things. See, if you have these things and you keep them in your life, you will never, you'll never stumble. You'll never fall over sin again. So anytime you and I sin, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't an accident. It was because you or I stopped doing those things. You stopped acting God-like. You stopped acting good. You stopped persevering. You stopped having self-control. So Peter, would Peter lie to us? You think Peter would lie to us? No, Peter's telling us the truth. He says, you tired of stumbling? Do these things. Keep increasing in them, and you'll never stumble. And look at verse 11, and you. Somebody say me. 
Come on, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what we're going to be learning today. I got so many introductions, I don't even know. This whole sermon might be an introduction. So you got to keep up with me here. So watch. You were given a new life to grow. You were born again to grow. You cannot use the life that you've had in the past as an excuse not to grow. Now, some of us, when we think of spiritual growth, what we think is that God is going to, when we come to Christianity or come to Christ, we think that God throws a lump of clay in us, and then at that moment, he starts molding us and shaping us, and for the rest of our lives, he's going to try to make us a new person, and we'll change on the inside. That's not how it works. The moment you were born again, you were made a new person. The moment you accepted Christ, you were made a new creation. But the problem is, is you and I don't always live as how we've been made. And so let me give you an example just in the natural. When my son was born, when Lucas was born, did, did he have to do anything else to be my son? No, he was my son. In nature, he was my son. My DNA was in him. He was born. But does he have to grow? Yes. And what is that growing doing? It's maturity. It's changing his behavior. And what are we going to do? We're going to teach him to act like a wyrostic. We're going to teach him to follow the rules of our home. But let's say he follows like 10 rules and messes up on one. Does that mean he's not a wyrostic anymore? No, he is still in my home. He is still of my DNA. And so what God is telling us is you're not trying to grow to become a Christian. You're growing because you're a Christian. You're not trying to change to become a new creation. You are a new creation, and your attitude and your life should change. You were born again to grow. You were born again to live a different life. Now, some of you may say, and I want everybody to look up at me, please. I love you, but I'm going to be a little fasty, a little fasty pastor coming out. Here it is. And I got a little sassy on Easter, and I love you guys. I was listening to you guys are all clapping during my sassy moments. I'm like, man, I love this church. They love this, man. They love it. And you know you are a special breed. Like, you love it raw. So thank you for making me feel great on Easter. And, and I know it wasn't about me, but I just had to say thank you. It just felt so amazing. I'm like, man, they can take it. They can take it on Easter. Now, now watch. Some of us, we think to ourselves, we think to ourselves that spiritual growth then is going to mean I'm going to start having this long process of introspection and I'm going to learn to follow all these rules and little by little. No, 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 no. Listen to me. As surely as a seed goes into a ground and grows, you will grow naturally if you don't let weeds in your life. If you keep the ground soft, if you let the sun come on you, the growth happens naturally. Do you see like today as people are trying to plant gardens, I know it's a little tough in Chicago right now, but as you see people planting gardens and living out in the, you know, rural areas, some of you have visited out there in the suburbs or even here we have communal farms as they're planting these things. Do you see like apple trees or corn stalks coming up going, oh, it's so hard, it's so hard to grow. No, these things grow naturally. But they just need that good ground. They need that sun. They need that provision. See, but the growth comes naturally. So what do you do? You guard your heart. You say, man, God made me a new person. I'm not going to let the junk of the past come back. Remember, we've escaped those things. You've escaped the sinful desires. Now, some of you, now I want you all to look up at me because I wasn't the sassy part. Some of you are saying, growth doesn't come naturally to me, Pastor. And some of you are saying, I don't relate to that because I don't feel like I'm changed. I want to be very honest with you. That's because you're not saved yet. That's because you're not a true Christian yet. 
you think you've done it, and you could be in church for 10 years and have come to these kind of altars or prayer and all of this, and I'm telling you, you really have not done it, and I am old school. I believe in true salvation. I am not going to lie to you. If your experience, if your experience does not line up with the scriptures I'm going to read to you today about a new heart being given to you, a salvation from a sinful lifestyle, like you literally felt like you were being pulled out, like being rescued by the Coast Guard, pulled out of your sin. If you didn't sense that in your life, if you don't know on the inside that you now are seated with Christ in heavenly places and that there's the deposit of the Holy Spirit in you speaking the voice of God to you, I'm being very honest with you, you are not a Christian. You are not by the definition of the Bible saved. You can be religious and you can come to church and you can say, I think I understand what he's saying, but I just don't feel it, so maybe we're a little different. No, 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 we're a lot different. You're not saved. See, this is the way Jesus talked. This is the way Peter talked. See, when Jesus talked to Nicodemus, sometimes we make Nicodemus out to be this cartoon character. And Nicodemus is a religious leader, and we kind of make him out like he's not really a person. No, Nicodemus was a scholar of the Jewish faith. He memorized large portions of the scriptures, and Jesus looked at him and said, unless you are born again, you cannot come into the kingdom. And some of you think you're better than Nicodemus. You think you've come to church more than Nicodemus. You think you know more than Nicodemus. You think you've done better works than Nicodemus. And if Nicodemus was here, he would take out all of his Jewish religion and pimp slap you and say, you ain't nothing. Have you memorized the book of Deuteronomy? Have you memorized it? Have you followed 613 laws? Have you prayed three times a day regularly? Have you watched how you have eaten with your hands and the law? He would say, you've done nothing compared to me. And yet Jesus told me, I'm not going in on those things. As a matter of fact, Paul said, I was more religious than even most of my peers. So Paul was himself like a Nicodemus. And he said, I was even on another level. Nicodemus was what we would consider an average man in the Jewish ruling council. But Paul said, I was above my peers. I was the teacher's pet. And then he said, in all of those things, it was but dung, horse manure, I was lost. So you think you're going to come to church a couple times a week? Read your Bible and then hear the preacher talk about being born again and you're, you and I are just going to have a little disagreement? Why well, just don't see it that way? My friend, you're lost. You're not born again. Wouldn't you rather me tell you the truth of what it looks like to be born again? Tell you the truth of what Jesus expected to have happen? I don't know about you, but, you know, I like playing sports. I don't necessarily like watching them. I like to play them. Does anybody here like to play sports? Okay, it's okay if you like to watch them. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with men watching other men in tights run around and be sweaty. Nothing wrong with that. No, I'm just kidding. But I like to play sports, and I like to go out to the batting cages, and I like to do all these things. Now imagine, because we go to bunny huts around here, and we go to the batting cages, and we have home run derby contests. And I like to say I, I've been winning quite a bit lately. Adam, did you and I go? Okay, Adam says he can take me down. But I've already took down Birdo, the Aztec warrior. Hate to brag on myself, but I got to every now and then. I'm just kidding. Half kid. So watch. 
Now imagine if you come to me and you say, Joe, like after service, you're like, man, I'm the home run hero of going to the batting cages. Every time I knock it out the park, I knock it out the park. It's just one after another. You know, we define a home run in the batting cages as going over the, uh, the, the, the pitching machine, you know, going up there towards the fences. And so you, you just tell me, you know, 20 out of 20, I'm knocking out the park. And I'm like, okay, okay, well, you're pretty bad then because I only get about, you know, you're pretty awesome because I only get like four or five, you know what I'm saying? So you're getting 20. Now imagine we go there and we're about ready to go to the fast pitch 90 miles an hour and you're like oh, oh I go to the softball the slow pitch you see now there's a difference isn't there you see you were talking all bad mama jamma when the ball is just coming just like that and you watching it for like 10 minutes and then you know we we go into the one that's are you with me there's a difference between slow pitch softball and 90 miles an hour fast pitch am I telling the truth here and you see, the problem is, is some of y'all think you're hanging out with Jesus, but you at the wrong one. You got the wrong Jesus. You at the wrong place. You calling Christianity something else. We over here. This is where the disciples are. This is where Peter is. And it's not saying now, now you have to do more to be more. I'm not telling you to do more to be more. I'm telling you to get born again and know Jesus. Somebody say born again. Can I tell you what it looks like when someone's born again? And you, just, you, ask, you answer this for yourself. Ask yourself, am I born again? Let's just look at these scriptures. I have four of them. We'll look at them right now. Are you guys ready? Say, I'm ready. Thank you. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Would you say that this is your life? I have to go through them quickly, so if you can't keep up, that's okay. I'll have them on the screen. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Can you say today, I am saved because of nothing I've done, only because of Jesus? See, many of the people that I talk to that have a problem with spiritual growth and being born again, it's, it's all about them. It's all about them. No, Jesus said, deny yourself. Deny yourself. This is not self-help. So number one, do you say, I am saved because of what Christ did for me? The next thing that we see is that we're created to be brand new. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. How many love this verse right here? How many of you have memorized it? Can I hear an amen? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is what? Do you have a new life? If you don't, you're not in Christ. That is that simple. If you're saying, man, I'm kind of half good, half bad, I'm not always as bad as I could be. You know, if it's anything other than new, you're not in Christ. Anyone, anyone, anyone in Christ is a new creation. It has come. And that's why I like to say I like to be old school. Because now we got TV preachers that just want to smile at you, repeat a scripture, and tell you all going to heaven. That's not how they used to do it. You better come up here and pray and not leave until you know you've been saved, that you know you've been changed, that you know God has done something in your life. Don't sell this thing short and be playing soft pitch with a make-believe Jesus of your mind. Get really saved, and you'll know that you're saved. That's true salvation. Let's go now to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Do you believe that you're God's masterpiece? See, some people think on the inside, I'm still jacked up. Man, I'm really jacked up. Man, I'm just messed up. Well, do you love Jesus? Yeah, but, you know, Jesus loves me jacked up. He loves me so much just the way I am. Hello, Jesus loves you just the way you are, but too much to let you stay that way. When you get born again, look at this version. For we are God's workmanship or masterpiece. He created us. When? Past tense. Anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Are you God's masterpiece, yes or no? Can you do the good things God planned for you? If you're saying, I can't, Pastor, I can't, well, then get saved. 
Be made new. Let Christ make you a masterpiece. Christianity is not a lifelong self-help religion. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ with instantaneous benefits. One of the instantaneous benefits of coming to Jesus Christ is a new creation, a brand new you on the inside. And that's what Christianity should look like for all of us, not just for some of us. Can I hear an amen? You're spiritually perfected. Turn with me to Hebrews 10, 14. Everybody says, well, I'm not, nobody's perfect, nobody's perfect. That's, of course nobody's born perfect. But how are you when you're born again? When you're born again, are you born again imperfect? So do you have to get born again, again, and again, and again? When, when do I ever get a new life that's perfect like Adam and Eve's and I get to start over fresh? Look at what it says, verse 14. For by one offering, how many times did Jesus die on the cross? Once. For by one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy or those who are holy, as another version says. So listen to me. Do you want to be perfect in Christ? Do you want every mistake to be taken away and for you to be given every opportunity to do right? That's what it's talking about, morally perfect. You are starting at zero. No sins against you. Do you want to be that? And if you ever sin, repent to go back to zero. How many believe in clearing off their credit card debts every month? And don't lie in church. Okay, like nobody raising their hands, half of you. I've been starting to do this. I got like five, and I've been saying, okay, this fifth one, I'm starting with this. I'm starting with this one. So the Walmart one, I just cleared off. I'm not keeping an ongoing balance. I'm happy about that. It was $100, and I cleared it off. You see, that's what God says to you. Clear off. Have a perfect balance. Never have any hidden sin in your heart. Never live with that sin. This is what he's made you to be. This is who you are supposed to be. Do you believe this? Because if you're saying, I like sin, I like staying imperfect in my spirit, I don't like being made holy, then you are not saved. You're not saved. You are not saved. Somebody say, I ain't saved if I like sin. But if I love Jesus... I hate sin. It's the Bible. Now look at number four, purified in your soul. There's two number fours there, so it should be number five. Go to 1 Peter 1.22. 1 Peter, we're in 2 Peter for this series, but look at 1 Peter 1.22. Look at what it says here. Let me get you to, yeah, look, look this. Since you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. And I want you to hear this in another version. Look at this. Now that you have purified your souls. Everybody say, my soul is pure. Has your soul been purified? See, if you're thinking, I'm going to keep taking my soul to church to be purified, you're not saved. Salvation alone purifies your souls the moment you obeyed the truth and said, I want to be born again. Listen to the scripture. Since you have purified, past tense, your souls. When did that happen for you, Joe? November 5th, 1995. When did that happen for you? I don't know. Whenever you were born again, right? Since you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit, insincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently. With what kind of a heart? Do I have a pure heart? Yeah, because I've been purified in my soul. See, some of you are trying to get a pure heart. God says, I already got one for you. Let me give it to you now. Stop pretending you're saved if you're not saved. Come with your dirty, filthy heart and let Jesus give you a heart transplant. Let Jesus give you a pure heart. Stop saying my soul's so dirty, God has to keep working on it. God either sets you free or purifies you or you have not met him yet. Jesus does not get into somebody's life and leave any stains in their soul. It says love one another with a pure heart. Now look at the pure heart. Now look at this. Having been what? 
born again, not of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides in us forever. Does everybody get that? How many people think you got a good understanding of salvation now? Okay, so let's look at the introduction. I want to make sure I go through this slowly so nobody misses this. Spiritual growth is not a long, tedious journey of endless religious rules and obligations that ultimately lead you to salvation and spiritual change. That's not spiritual growth. As if you became a, when you became a Christian, God threw that lump of clay on the inside of you and just started to twiddle around with you. Actually, the Bible teaches the exact opposite. It teaches the moment you got saved, you were saved. You were created brand new. You were made God's masterpiece. You were spiritually perfected and purified in your soul. Now watch this because there is something for us to do. Therefore, spiritual growth is, watch, learning to live according to the new holy and perfect nature God's given you. Knowing your identity in Jesus as righteous and acting like it and truly being transformed in your actions because you've been completely sanctified and set apart from sin. Do you want to see that again? Can somebody say preach it? Let me show you right here. Spiritual growth is as easy as one, two, three. Everybody say one, two, three. The first thing is you believe God is who he said he is. That's what you do. That's the only way you can even get saved is by believing in Christ as your Lord. You confess him as Lord. That's, that's how you get saved, and that's how you're going to grow. But when I got saved, I don't now start to become a new person. When I got saved, I became a new person. I became a baby, a new creation. And you'll see that later on throughout our scriptures. But number one, you've got to believe who God said he is. Look who Peter said God is. Look who Peter said God is. Look, go back to that passage of Second uh, Peter Look at what he said here at the beginning. He said, Simon Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have, re have received a faith as precious as ours. So who is Jesus Christ? He is what? God and he's our Do you believe that? So that means if he's God, there's nothing impossible for him. And if that means he's our Savior, there's nothing he can't save us from. Do you believe that? Is Jesus your God today? Is he your Lord and Savior? Romans says those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, they will be saved. So number one, do you believe God is who he said he is, that Jesus is God and he's a perfect Savior? So that means when Jesus taught us to pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Who's my deliverer? Jesus. Will he do it when I call on him? Is there ever a temptation I'll ever face where Jesus won't deliver me? No, because he's my Savior. And if he's my God, he's not just any old kind of Savior. He's not like a Kevin Costner bodyguard kind of Savior. He's a God-like Savior. That means he's there every time I need him. He never sleeps or slumbers. He's never lacking in power and strength. He always has compassion, and he knows exactly what I need the moment I need it. Do you believe that God is who he said he is? Amen. The second part that you have to see about spiritual growth is that we have to believe we are who God said we are. So now we don't base it on our emotions. The body of flesh will die. This body is not perfect. This body is where evil desires come from. In Galatians chapter 5, it says the flesh is against the spirit. I still have flesh on me, but I am not my flesh because I'm a new creation. But I must battle my flesh and can count it as crucified. Now look at that quickly because I see some of you staring at me like you don't remember this. Go to Galatians 5. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse, let's say, start in verse 19. Somebody say, preach it. I got to show it to you. 
Because some of you don't know. Remember, we just learned here, we just learned that our new nature is escaping the desires of this world. Look at this. You see this? You may participate in the divine nature having escaped the world or escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Where are the evil desires of the world today? In the flesh. Where is your participation in divine nature? In the spirit. It's not complicated, but I'm going to say it for some of you who need to see it, right? It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. We're all moving through this together. Look at it, Galatians chapter 5. Look at it. I'll just go right here. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. You just can't say, I'm going to do what my flesh wants and make an excuse for it. You have to fight against that flesh, that evil desire of the world that was handed down to you from Adam and Eve and choose to live by the Spirit. Now, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And then he now tells you all of these obvious things the flesh wants to do. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. Let's be honest. Can we be honest in church today? How many of your fleshes have been wanting to do some sexual things outside of a godly marriage? That's, a call, that's called sexual impurity, immorality. Nobody's raising their hand but me, but that's okay. I'll be the pastor to admit I get tempted sexually, okay? Debauchery, how many of you ever just feel like wiling out? Come on. I, I'll just keep my hand up now because I guess you guys are not being honest. You guys don't want to be honest in church. That's okay. Did I say I'm having an affair on my wife? No, but it's a temptation of my flesh. My flesh doesn't know the difference between my wife and all the other women that my eyes see and lust after. It's my soul that makes the difference. It says, down flesh, this belongs to my wife. This belongs to Nancy. You see, you close my eyes and you pop me in the nose or you have my son pop me in the nose. My flesh is going to want to punch you, punch my son. If I don't know who it is and I don't have self-control, whoever pops me in the nose is going to get popped right back. Your flesh is a, is a carnal object with sinful desires and instincts. And on the inside, Christ has made you a new creation. So he's saying, don't do these things. Idolatry, putting things before God. Witchcraft, worshiping God another way. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, losing your temper, being impatient. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and alike. Now watch this. This is the Bible talking, as I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit what? The kingdom of God. Can you live like this and inherit the kingdom of God? So what if you're a person who loves to envy and you say, I love Jesus, I go to church all the time, but you just are bitter, you gossip, are you going into the kingdom of God? No, you are not. And it's the same one for the drunkard, same one for the idolater, same one from the impure. You go, well, I love my boyfriend or I love my girlfriend, we're going to get married one day. I don't care how much you say you love them, how much you say you love God, you're impure, I warn you as he warned you, you will not inherit the kingdom of God living like this. Now, unless you want to rewrite that Bible and put in there what your friend said, I'm believing what this said, amen? Well, I don't believe that. My friend told me something different. Well, go get your friend and get him here, and I'll show them what the Bible says. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you notice the deeds of the flesh are the things we do and make happen, but the fruit comes naturally. This is what I was trying to show you before. When you truly are born again, you're born again by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. There should be a natural desire for love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, watch this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have what? Crucified the what? With its passions and? Oh, doesn't that sound familiar? Through these, he has given you very great and precious promises so that you may participate in the divine nature. You were born naughty in nature, but born again in the divine nature. Somebody better tweet that today. Come on, don't be a twit and miss that. You better tweet that. 
You were born again, naughty by nature, but uh, you were born naughty by nature, but born again in the divine nature. And in the divine nature, what happens the moment someone accepts Christ into their life? They escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Where do those evil desires come from, my friends? Where do they come from? I wish I could do like some like real like loud noise right now. Bing, bing, and like lights go off. Where does it come from? The flesh comes from this. So have you escaped your flesh? Has it been crucified with Christ? Because he said, no one can be my disciple unless they deny themselves, pick up the cross, and follow me. What is that cross we pick up and follow Jesus used for to crucify your flesh? You and I have no excuse to live by it. So now look at what it says here. This is the good news. Let me say the good news. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step by the Spirit. That's why I'm saying to y'all, if you don't have the Spirit telling you where to step in relationships and convicting you and helping you understand right from wrong, I'm, I'm trying to help you and tell you you're not saved. Because I don't do that for myself. You and I have a conscience, but how many know our conscience can be wrong at times? Before I was a Christian, I used to cuss people out and feel great in my conscience. Why? Because you deserved it. And in my conscience, the law I made up, if you deserve to be cussed out, you get it. Right? And so there are some of you that say, well, in my conscience, I don't feel so bad. And you're doing what the Bible says is sin. And that's why I'm saying to you, the only voice you're hearing is the voice of your own. And that's why you're not saved. The, those who are born of the Spirit hear the Spirit's voice. And the Spirit's voice says, shut off that Internet account. Stop hanging around those friends. Stop abusing alcohol or drugs. The Spirit tells you those things and sets you free. And once again, if you're saying, I don't hear the Spirit, that means you don't have the Spirit. Those who have the Spirit live by the Spirit. And we're not crazy. We're not schizophrenic. We actually hear the voice of the Lord in our hearts. How many have the Spirit inside of them? How many are saved today? Because that, that number may have been different at the beginning of the service to the end of the service. But hopefully at the very end, we'll get everybody saved. Because everybody can be saved. So look at this. Very simple. Everybody say one, two, three. Here it is. Thank you for helping me preach today. Number one, do you believe God is who he said he is? And according to him, according to Jesus, I should say, do you believe Jesus is who he said he is? Because then Jesus is our God and he's our Savior. That's what we celebrated last week. He died on the cross for us. He knows all of our pains, all of our sins, all the excuses that we've made, all of the times where we've been bamboozled and tricked by the devil, and he still loves us, right? And he's our Savior, saving us from the worst parts of our flesh. Number two, do you believe you are who Jesus said you are? Now, who did Jesus say you are in this passage that we're learning? Jesus said of himself, he's God and Savior. But who are you? This is who you are. Look at it. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Everybody say, I'm called to live a godly life. Do you know what that word godly means? Godlike. Do you believe you are who God said you are? A child of God called to live Godlike. Because through these these great things God has, his glory and his goodness, he has given us promises so that we can escape the world and participate in the divine nature. So are you today participating in the divine nature of God? Who is today? Can I hear an amen? How many of you, without saying, oh me or oh my, but how many of you on the inside really need to start participating with God in his divine nature? You can no more make yourself godly than you can make yourself a chicken and then balk and lay an egg. 
Get that in your mind. You can no more save yourself, change yourself in the spiritual sense than you could make yourself wings like an eagle and fly out of here. You either come to the God of heaven and earth, the creator of everything, including your soul and spirit, and share in his divine nature, get changed by his power, be washed clean by his blood, be made a new creation, empowered by the spirit to live holy, or you will perish in hell. That is the gospel message. Can I hear an amen to the gospel message? But I want to say it a little bit better so you can see it in the Bible. Everybody turn to John 3.16. How many love John 3.16? Look at it. For God so loved the world, people like us who were born naughty by nature, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I was born again into eternal life. My life is eternal in Christ right now. But look, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, Jesus didn't come here to tell sinners just to go to hell. He already knew sinners were going to hell, but he came to give us a way to heaven, and that was a spiritual birth. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So is hell just for murderers? Is hell just for the worst in our society? No, hell is for anyone that doesn't believe this. If you don't believe, you need to be changed by God. You're standing condemned already. If you don't believe that you need to be made a new creation by God, you are condemned already. If you do not believe that Jesus is God and Savior, condemned already. Why? From the nature of your parents all the way back to Adam and Eve. We were born naughty by nature, but born again into the divine nature. How many want to see that? Okay, about four of you. It's for the four of you I preach right now. Amen. My heart, my quote has sown is with you. Now look at this right here. It's so simple. You can see it. All of us lived among, let me just go to verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is at now at work and those who are disobedient. So the devil's spirit or mindset is in those that are disobedient. That's what I was saying. If you backslide, you come right back to that spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. Now look, all of us lived among them at one time. How many of us, how many of us used to live like sinners before we were born again? According to the Bible, all of us, gratifying the cravings of our what? Flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, how many are glad that the Bible has a big old butt right here? How many like big old butts in the Bible? Maybe a little bit inappropriate. I'm sorry. I just thought that was funny. I want to say that more. I don't know. Maybe you guys are just a little off today, too. I don't know. I thought it's a little hot up here. But, everybody say, but. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. Oh, come on, somebody. Can you say a better amen than that? I don't care what the weather's like today. Isn't God still good today? Somebody say amen. That should cause us to want to stop and praise God for 30 minutes, man. I'm telling you. It's God that saves us even while we were yet sinners. So do you want to be a saved sinner made a saint? That's the beautiful gift that God gives us. Not that we deserved it, but he wants us to have it. And then look at the last thing right here. One, two, three. Number one, do you believe Jesus is who he said he is? Number two, do you believe you are who he said you are? That now you're born again, sharing in his divine nature, able to do all things through him who gives you strength, not separated from his love by anything, and that you can follow his commands, not stumble, be delivered from evil, do you believe that? 
Because then lastly, do you believe you can do what God says you can do? So here it is, one, two, three. Do you believe Jesus is who he said he is? Do you believe you are who he said you are? And do you believe you can do what he said you can do? That's what we need to come down to when it comes to spiritual growth. My child has to believe, in this situation here as the example, my child has to believe I'm a good father, starting right there. Do you already know that God's a good father? Has he taken care of you? Has he loved you? Has he wiped away your tears? Has he healed your broken heart? Has he showed you when others hurt you? He was still there. Has he showed you that despite what a thief has done, he came to give you abundant life? Did he give you his word and his promise that he will never leave you or forsake you? And the, the, the scriptures show us all the things to come. Has he been a good father? So the first thing is Lucas has to believe in this example for me to be a good father. They have to trust me. My, my son has to trust me. Then my son, as that child grows up, has to believe that he is who I say he is, that he's a wyrostic, that he can get good grades in school. He can accomplish these things in his life. And then he must believe about himself. I can do those things. See, that's what it's like as children of God. We're not becoming um, better children of God. We're just learning to live like children of God. You can't be a better saved person. You can't make God love you more. You can't become more perfected in salvation. He's already perfected in salvation. But what you must do is increase in what he's given you. And you can be better at that. You can be better at your maturity. You can be better at your attitude. You can be better in how you love and treat others. Because even though my son may trust me and have my nature in him, if he doesn't do those things, he's going ac across opposing what I've taught him. And that's not what I want him to do. And how many of you want to be obedient kids? Jesus kids, amen? amen. Let me just say this as Vinny comes. Here's the third introduction to the message because I did want to share more with you, but I think I'm getting a lot of it out here. But here's the, the foundations. And I'm just going to read it for a few moments here, and I think the music will help in the background. But don't fall asleep, okay? Here's three foundations of spiritual growth that I think tie it all together. And you've got to keep coming week after week to get into these scriptures with us. You'll understand it more and ask your life group leader because actually uh, this, um, this season, the adult life groups are following our messages. So this Friday, come out to one of the adult life groups at the Vivids or Goiveas because they're going to be hitting on the main points of this message. Okay, this is the first thing that you need to remember as we've just talked about spiritual growth. Number one, your spiritual nature is not the same as your spiritual maturity. My son's my son, but that doesn't mean he's ready to go shooting guns with me. He's not mature enough yet. Do you get the difference? Yes, you're born again. You're new in nature. And somebody could go, Pastor, I'm perfect in nature. That means everything I do is perfect. <clears throat> Incorrect. Yeah, God made your new man perfect, but you don't always act like it. I've been watching your Facebook. Trust me. You need, you need to mature a little bit. Oh, yeah, I'll pull it up right now if you don't believe me. No, I'm kidding. Somebody just went to their Facebook real quick. Let me delete this stuff. Let me delete this stuff right now. Pastor, be putting on my Facebook screen up there. But look, if you don't want it up here, don't put it out there. Hey. Let me give you an example. You've been hearing this one all throughout the sermon, but my son Lucas was born as a human baby and must grow up and mature to be a man. We must grow up from spiritual babies to, to be mature disciples. Look at what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2. This is the 1 Peter book. We're in 2 Peter now for our series, but we'll refer back to 1 Peter's book. Look at them. Like newborn babes, crave spiritual, uh, pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. Am I growing up to have salvation? No, I'm growing up in my salvation. See, my son already has a car. My son already has a fishing pole. But my son hasn't grown up to use it yet. Hello. Hello. 
I'm going to let my son drive my car. That's what my dad did for me, right? I'm going to let my son have my fishing pole. My son already has a big bike. My son already has so many things, but he ain't mature enough to get them yet. My friends, you've been given every spiritual gift in Christ right now. And God wants you to mature so he can give those things to you in practical ways. Like newborn babes, you, if you are a new Christian, you are a newborn babe. Crave pure spiritual milk that you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. But for others of us, we ain't supposed to be babies sucking on the bobo. There is no problem with babies having bobos and changing diapers, but there's a problem if I got to put a bobo in a grown man's mouth. There's a problem if I got to change a grown man's diaper. Hello? How many know if I got to change Pastor Berto's diaper, it's going to get messy? What in the world is in this thing, man? What, do you, what did you eat last night? Hello? No, Pastor Berto, like, I got that. Hello? Now look at what Hebrew says. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. See, some of you ought to be leaders already. But you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Sassy preacher right there. You need milk, not solid food. See, you, you, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I got some leaders clapping right now because they they're like, I got some 101 people on milk, and they need to start getting some steak and getting to 201. I got some youth people clapping their hands going, I got youth in my, my, my small group, and they still on milk and should be teaching and winning a high school for Jesus. Come on, I got some husbands and wives clapping their hands saying, it's about time we grow up in our marriage and stop getting our diapers changed all the time and start learning good from evil. Some of y'all need to get excited about this and know I can grow up in Christ. I can eat mature food in this Bible. Start with the milk and then get yourself some maturity, amen? So the first thing that you got to remember here, don't make excuses. Know that your spiritual nature is different than your spiritual maturity, but it's time to grow up. The next thing that we got to look at here is that your spiritual identity is different from your spiritual growth. And what that means is it's going to blow your mind. Look at Jesus. He was born perfect, not like us. He didn't have to get born again, did he? He was born perfect, a virgin birth. Yet even Jesus as a man grew in wisdom, which is application of knowledge and physical stature. He grew up as a little boy. He didn't come out of Mary as a grown man, did he? Come out of Mary talking like, let me get out of here, Mary. I'm Jesus, hello. I came from heaven to be here. But some of us think like that, don't we? So if Jesus had to still grow as a perfect man, don't we still have to grow in our new perfect creation and learn to live it out in our flesh? Luke 2.52, this is the Bible. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew. Why? Because he was setting us an example. Jesus didn't come as Superman. Jesus set aside, not did he ever stop being God. He just set aside the divine privileges of God so he could show us how to grow up in salvation. The beautiful thing about him is he never made a mistake. Now, sometimes we do make mistakes. And the Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, they get back up. And what kind of man is that? A what man? Righteous. So I'm righteous even when I stumble because I will truly repent and keep going forward. But the wicked are destroyed in calamity. That's what the Bible says. So you got to know the difference between your spiritual identity. Yes, you are saved in Christ. You don't get more saved. You don't get more sanctified. You don't get more holy. You just learn to live holy 
better. You learn how to grow up and act holy better. So everybody get that. Can I give you like one more example? Can I go Polish on you here for a second? Because us Polish people, we like to say things two and three times, okay? I don't know if anybody else is like that, but that's how I was brought up. And my dad would do that to me. I'd be like, Dad, I got it. And my mom would be like, because he's Polish, let him do it again. Maybe that was just her making fun of him. I don't know. Now watch. My wife and I are married. According to the certificate, we have a perfect marriage. According to the certificate. Are you guys with me? The certificate is perfect. There is no other way to be married in our culture than that way. You can't perfect that anymore. It's already done. I signed the piece of paper. The card has come out. The marriage, according to the state, is perfect. But does that mean in actuality we always act perfect? No. You see, that is our stance. In Christ, he's already signed the paper. You're saved. I'm taking you to heaven with me. Only perfect people get to even go to heaven. Do you think you come in there all jacked up and he's got you out in the front yard spraying you down and cleaning you out? You get cleaned out down here. Don't you understand that, people? That's what it means to be born again. Sinners don't go up there. Perfect saints go up there. Those who Christ has already changed and made new. But the point is we don't always live like it. That's why we have to change how we live. So how do I like to say, I was born again perfect, but I don't always act like it. But I will continue to learn to be who God called me to be. And we're working on our marriage, growing in our marriage, not making excuse for our sins. Amen? Are you with me, Nancy? What you doing right now? Are you like checking the Bible? I love you so much. This is my boopster boo. She was walking this week. Can we get up for the Lord, allowing my wife to walk? Amen. And then your sanctification is not the same as your transformation. This may be a little complicated for some of you, but we'll go over this throughout our time. You see, sanctification is an instantaneous change of nature and position that happens at salvation. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, it is put in the same context of being justified and washed and saved. Look at it. It says that, you know, some of us in the church used to be thieves, greedy, drunkards, nor slanders, and they won't inherit the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 11, and that is what some of you were. Look at your neighbor and go, I don't know what you were. Come on, look at your neighbor. Tell him, say, I don't know what you were, but I'm glad you ain't that no more. Amen. Hold on to your purse. I'm glad you ain't that no more. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. You see, that's what happens the day I got saved. I was set apart. I was made holy. However, transformation always renews and upgrades the purified soul. And so I want you just to see this quickly because remember we talked about we're not in progressive salvation? Now, some people want to say, well, man, maybe we're in progressive sanctification, but that is wrong as well. The only thing that is progressive in the believer's life is transformation. And transformation means how you live what Christ has already done in your life. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living what? And why should we be offering our bodies as a living sacrifice? Because the flesh is what? Sinful. So offer your body to God as a sacrifice and say, have it, Jesus, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't live in the pattern of this world because you've been saved. Now follow the pattern in your mind of God's kingdom. 
Be transformed in the pattern of your mind, how you're living. And that's how you want. Look at the next part. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His, everybody say, His good, His pleasing, and perfect will. How are you to live? What will? Are you supposed to have a jacked up will of God? Does God, does God say to you, well, I don't really love you that much, so you can have my messed up will. You can have my just barely get along will. Or does God say to all of us, I've got a perfect will for you that I want you to test and approve. Be renewed in the pattern of your thinking so that you can escape the corruption of this world. Hello, there is a perfect will for you and God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. It's a good will. It's a pleasing will. God has a perfect will for us. You take it up with him if you don't like this kind of preaching. Amen? So imagine it like this. Imagine your life is like this. Before you got saved, you were an old Motorola phone. Anybody remember those old Motorola phones? They made a bunch of them, so you might have a different one in mind. But they were the size of bricks, and then they got smaller, and some of them flipped. And some of them looked like the Star Trek beat-me-up thing, you know, with a little bubble on top. Motorola phones. Anybody remember those cell phones? That was your center self. That was how you were born. But you were born again, bing, you get an iPhone. You don't carry around that Motorola, do you? Are you still carrying around the Motorola just to remind you? This is what, no, this is who I used to be. No, see, you count that old man dead. But now watch, the new iPhone. It is not a Motorola phone. It is a new iPhone. It has upgrades. It goes from 1.0 operating system to 2.0, etc. And so what God will do is bring you from glory to glory to glory. God will keep transforming you and growing you and doing new things in you. But it's not going from glory to glory Hello, do you all get that? You're not supposed to be going from sinner to saint, back to sinner to saint, to sinner to saint. You're supposed to be going from glory to glory. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord, there is what? Is everybody here free from sin? If you're not free from sin, the Spirit of the Lord is not in you. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit, where, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, is the Spirit in you. Then there better be freedom. Is there Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit? Then there is freedom. If you're not telling me today I'm free from sin, the Spirit of God ain't in you, sister. It ain't in you, brother. But I don't care how jacked up somebody came in here today. If the Holy Spirit truly comes on the inside of them, there is libertad. There is freedom. 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 You are never the same again. You're not the slave of the devil again. You are not addicted to your flesh again. That's the Bible. You take it up with God if you don't believe it. Holy Spirit, are you there? Because I don't feel free. If that's you today, you get free. And let Jesus say, I'm in you. I'm in you. Don't leave here. Stay five hours. Come to the second service until you get it and believe it. And we all, everybody who's saved gets to do this. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. See, as my son grows, he doesn't change in nature. He changes in his understanding as a person. And he'll experience new glories or understandings as a man. 
He'll understand the glory of winning a football game. He'll understand the glory of being a husband. He'll get the glory of being a father. Do you understand that? And so as you're being transformed into Christ's image, you're going from glory to glory to glory. Not from glory to gory. Not from sinner to saint. From glory to glory. Well, what if I stumble and fall, Pastor, and I sin? Repent and keep going from glory to glory, which is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Look at Colossians 3, 9. Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Where's your old self supposed to be? At the cross? Considered dead? It says don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Do you have an old self or a new self? Which one you got? Well, if you got a new self, it's continually being upgraded and renewed, baby. You see, salvation, some people think salvation is a process of getting the new self. No, salvation is getting the new self, starting with the new self. And then what is spiritual growth? That new self being renewed and transformed from glory to glory, upgraded and next level, next level, so that God can use you in this world. In closing, do you believe Jesus is who he said he is? Do you believe you can, or that you are who he said you are? And do you believe you can do what he said you can do? Would you stand up today? Please stand up. Band, would you come, please? Spiritual growth is about knowing God intimately and growing practically to live holy and godly lives because we were born again to grow. Somebody say, I was born again to grow. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, make some room. i got to grow. Come on, tell your other neighbor, say, make some room. I've got to grow. Come on, I'm not saying you got to go right now to the buffet or whatever. I'm saying you got to grow. You better tell your husband or wife today as you guys get in that car, honey, get ready, we got to grow. You better grab your kids out of the children's area and say, kids, get ready, we've got to grow. You better tell some of your coworkers, we're about ready to grow here because I'm going to come with the wisdom of God and start making some sales, making some moves. I'm going to grow. We were born again to grow. It is natural to the Christian's life to grow. And so would you just close your eyes with me today and look at your life and ask yourself those three questions. Do I believe Jesus is who he said he is? Do I believe I am who he said I am? And do I believe I can do what he said I can do? Come on, just look at your heart. Be honest. Do I believe in you, Jesus? Are you my God and my Savior? Come on, do you believe? If you do, if some of you are already there, you're saying, man, he is my God, he is my Savior, just raise up your your hands right now and worship him as such. Worship! Come on, the God and Savior of your life. This preacher ain't preaching about himself today or a businessman or some political figure. I'm talking about Jesus, the bride and morning star. How many want to tell him this morning before you leave you love him? You're my God and Savior. You're my God and Savior. There's nobody like you. There's no God but you. No one can save like you. No one rose from the dead like you. Now with your hands raised, do you believe you are who he said you are?
Are you dancing right now with the divine? Are you sharing the divine nature of Christ? If you're not, say, Lord, help me. Help me. Save me. Change me. Rearrange me. Do whatever it takes. Give me faith. But I'm not walking out of here, Lord, until I believe I am who you said I am. Because if you're God, I can be godly. If you're my creator, I can be a new creation. If you're my father, I can be your son or daughter. If you are holy, I can be holy. And now third, do you want to believe that you can do what God said you can do? That you can add to your faith goodness. That you can add goodness to to goodness, knowledge, and perseverance, and self-control. Do you believe that today? Do you believe it? Altar workers, would you come? Before we go, I know we went a little late today, but I want to sing a song with you today. So altar workers, would you come? Because I want us to look at our hearts and say it's all about his love. Because that passage that we read today, I'm going to read it as this screen is up here, but just listen. We're going to get the words to the song. But listen to what it says. It says, Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of our God and Jesus our Lord. Jesus did that for you, and he did it for me. We're going to sing this song, gentlemen. Let me know when you get it up. But it's his love that transforms us. It's his life that makes us new. And your love, come on, let's sing it out today. Is extravagant. Come on, let's sing it out. I got it, guys. Let me do it. Your grace. Yes. Come on. Come on, won't you sing it out today? We're going to get these words up here. Get it today. Extravagant, your friendship, your friendship. Here we go, come on. Is One more time, your love, your love. This is why we grow. This is why we grow today. Is extravagant. Your friendship is so intimate. Your friendship. Now let's sing this next part. I feel like moving to the rhythm of your grace. I feel I'm moving to the rhythms of your grace. Your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place. Cause your love. Now one more time, just from the beginning with the guitar. Just the guitar. And your love. Why did God send his son into the world? Because he loved us. Why did he make us his sons and daughters? Because he wanted us to be his friends. 
us just the way we are. But too much to leave us that way. Sing it from the top like you believe it. Your love, your love is extravagant. Isn't his love so extravagant today? It's unimaginable. You're a friendship. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now, how many want to move with the rhythm of God's grace and grow up in their salvation? Sing it out. Come on. I feel. I feel like moving to the rhythms of your grace. Your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place. Because your love. One more time, I feel like moving. Yes, I feel like moving to the rhythms of your grace. Your fragrance is intoxicating in the secret we thank you for bringing us here today now we pray we move out of here with your grace that we keep growing and adding to our faith the things that you taught us and that Lord we won't become nearsighted or blind forgetting to do those things but rather we'll continue in ever increasing measure so that we can be productive and effective as we grow in our salvation in Jesus name if you believe it one more time can you clap for the Lord today let's give him praise amen hallelujah amen slap your neighbor high five and say it's time to grow up we'll see you next week come up and get prayer if you need it otherwise you're dismissed come on let's sing it out today